0: Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammāsambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammāsambuddhassa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato sammāsambuddhassa Utang ramang sangkang namasami. So tonight is a special um, night, the ending of of 2012 and the beginning of the 2013. And um, you know, many people all around the planet are you know, doing some special things around this um, day. And I actually had a phone call with my family this uh, earlier this day, and they are in Austria, people are in the age of my father and his, and my stepmother, they are um, usually, um, you know, listening to the Viennese waltz at midnight. <laughs> And, 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 um, and drink champagne <laughs> and then they were asking what we are doing and I kind of <laughs> it was hard to explain <laughs> um, and I think you, you already tried to explain you know, a ceremony which we have prepared yeah, about uh, you know, reflecting on uh, what we have been doing or what we didn't do uh, over the last year, and you know trying to to learn from our mistakes and uh rejoice in our you know in and the, the good actions we have been managing to to do and I think we usually learn more from the mistakes at least myself i do and and the learning you know from from those mistakes is is uh, coming about if we're really able to fully embrace you know what has happened and fully turn towards it rather than you know kind of half-heartedly look a little bit and then quickly look away again because it's painful and I think you know we want to encourage you to 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 really look and, and try to come up you know with a uh, to formulate it really clearly so it can really, you know, be used for, for growth. Uh, growth in, in Dhamma rather than, you know, growing in um, materially or maybe, you know, accumulating more knowledge, which is all, you know, not, re- not a bad thing, but it's not really um, leading to happiness or, you know, more greater freedom. So... You know, really take a very good look at at what has happened last year. I'm sure you remember uh, quite easily, you know, some of the occasions where you, you know, would have wished you would have done differently or where you would have wished you would have done something, rather than just um, going into denial. And, you know, in in kind of connection with the ceremony which we have prepared for for today or for tonight, you know, writing down our regrets on on a piece of paper and then mindfully shredding it into small bits and and kind of, you know, preparing it uh, to go into the earth, you know, we, we don't have time to wait for these shreds to become compost but that's the idea really you know using um, past experience and using our regrets as um, as fertilizer and as, as enhancer for for wisdom and compassion to grow and you know it's like weeding out the afflictive emotions through awareness, you know, weeding them out and not you know, throwing them out the window, but uh, you know, using what we can learn from from them and, you know, using um, this precious energy, you know, which is caught up in, in the afflictive emotions. It's caught up in in patterns which are you know unskillful and you know in energetic patterns which are difficult to hold steady with because they're painful in the body. But if we you know if we have enough mindfulness and enough faith in the teachings, then we can you know slowly but surely have more and more capacity to hold steady enough so that the energy is is freed up from the unskillful. Patterns from the painful um, patterns, which are, uh, which I'm sure you have experienced. You know when it's when emo- emotions are really fully blown, how how painful it can be when when it races to the system, and we feel like we can't hold it. You know we want to throw it at somebody else, yeah, you know, through the mouth by saying something or through body language you know from hitting up to or down to you're not know, just like you know walking in a way which is maybe arrogant or so so there's many different nuances you know how we can try to um, get rid of the energy and some are more refined than others but you know if we pay attention we, we know um, what we are doing, if we want to know. And... you know, what this ceremony is is symbolizing uh, tonight is is that all of these uh, experiences they are very, very precious even you know, some of them are very, very painful but it is important to just stop ourselves and remember that you know this energy is all we have got and if we uh, you know shut it down or try to get rid of it we we exhaust our potential so we really have to be very economic with that energy and use it for growth and You know, in the process of uh, composting, I have been, uh, you know, speaking with Betsy a little bit about it, and I read up a little bit in a book which I found in the in the sangha room downstairs in the council room, and it says, you know, that all of the material which goes into a compost heap, it needs to be, you know, it needs to be. um, what's the word it needs to be um turned yeah that's the word it needs to be turned over regularly so through this turning over spaces is, is is produced and and um, um, oxygen goes into the heap and so through regularly turning it over and and um, you know not not letting it get, get uh, really uh, caked up, not getting it, really letting it um, get stagnant. It's very important to look at it again and again and make space so it can, you know, reveal its true potential. And then it starts to to break down, and it develops a lot of heat. And I've read up in this book; it can have up to one hundred fifty, one hundred sixty degrees Fahrenheit in a a compost heap when it's on the peak of its processing so you can't even have your hand in it it's very 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 hot and you know the heat of that process is is painful to bear but if you can you know if you can contain it the results will be very um, nourishing because at one point then it starts to kind of cool down again and in the process of that, it has been, uh, you know, all of the big, big bits and the rough bits, that have been breaking down, they become smaller and smaller. And at the same time, some of the unwholesome bacteria die, die down. And what's left is, is a very potent mixture, you know, which we can then dig into the earth and, and lots of beautiful things can, can grow out of it. So I found this is a very good um, analogy to the to the process of developing uh, wisdom and compassion through attending with the mindfulness to our own mind. And you know, not only is there a lot of heat developed which uh, We can compare, you know, to the strong energy of the uh, afflictive emotions to the the strong energy of desire and um, ill will. They are very hot when they are really powerful. And then, you know, when the process has taken place and it starts to cool down and there is the warmth left of the Brahmaviharas, which is a very healing energy this is like you know then taking the the compost taking the fertilizer digging it into the depleted earth and healing the earth and then preparing the earth to give birth again you know to to beautiful uh, flowers and vegetables or whatever you know we have been um, planting in a garden and t- tonight we want to you know kind of repeat this process by by writing down our regrets uh, on, a, on a piece of paper and then you know, seeing that as weeding out some of the uh, qualities in our mind which we would like to change and then you know, shredding it up in little strips and, and digging it into the earth and then yeah then we will put some of these rose petals on top of it this is like you know rose petals from roses which people have brought to Aloka vihara they have been on our shrine and then they just you know when they became old we took them and, and we dried them and this is roses from about two years from alokavihara so mm-hmm. We're going to sprinkle them then over the, um, the shreds of our regrets. And then we put some earth on top of it. And then we let it sit there. And I think in the spring, see, we'll will uh, plant some um, herbs on top of, of this compost which we are starting today. And you know, these herbs, they bring healing and... Bring also interesting taste and interesting um, smell to the kitchen. So it's a, it's a very efficient way of, of dealing with regrets. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and and this is very much you know an illustration of that everything can be used for the practice. There is nothing whatsoever you know, which we can't use. And there's nothing whatsoever which, which cannot be purified. Some things take a long time, but nevertheless they, they can be purified by attention, you know, and by having the courage and having the resolve to, to do it. And then starting, starting it and not stopping. So it's just happening. If we just um, make a, make a, uh, um, like what we call an aditana, uh, uh determination. And that's the second step of what we want to, you know, encourage you to do tonight, that after we have been, you know, burying our regrets, we want to share uh, our aspirations for the, for the next year. You know, which quality you'd like to pay attention to, to develop in, in the next year. And... And I think most likely, you know, this quality will, will stay in, in somehow in connection with the regrets because in my case, at least, it, it's the case. I want to develop a, a quality, you know, which has enough uh, power so I can not repeat uh, the same patterns again and again so that I, I remember, you know, when when I'm again caught in it and so that I have enough... Uh, strength to step out of it and, and uh, step into healing and transformation rather than into repeating the same thing over and over again. And you know in order to have real good support for for such an aspiration it''s it's, it's important also to... You know set up a support system for oneself, and I think the first step is 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 the precepts, the five precepts or the eight precepts, and in my case, like the bikuni precepts and so that's like the you know the basis to stand on in order to be able to keep a wholesome aspiration we we need the precepts as a as a support and then. In the next step would be, you know, to really look clearly at your life and and really, you know, focus the energy, not not wasting one's energy by by, you know, getting getting involved in things which are maybe you know maybe they are not unwholesome in terms of precepts, but it's, it still could could be a waste of time. I'm sure there is. A lot of things which I'm doing still, you know, by, for example, spending a lot of time answering emails. (laughs) (laughs) This is one of the things I would like to do less, but I just don't know how to do it yet. (laughs) Um, So there's first, you know, the precepts as a a general uh, basis to stand on where there is no discussion possible, really, because they're very clear. And the next level, you know, giving up to waste one's energy with doing things, you know, to distract oneself and daydreaming and all kinds of, uh, you know, compulsive reading, compulsive this, compulsive that. I'm sure you all have your personal um, version of this. And then, you know, the third level is is the real one that's, you know, all others uh, gearing us towards the the capacity, you know, to to let go of identification with uh, our thoughts and uh, our emotions and, you know, all objects which arise in awareness that's the that's the real thing. this is you know what the practice is geared towards and uh, you know to be able to bear this openness and you know to feel and you know, to be able to connect with the blessing of 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 the, Of an open mind which can uh, embrace whatever is arising without prematurely shutting it down and pinning it down into good or bad, or wanting or not wanting. that's you know all of the practices which we are doing here and the precepts and, and all the skillful means, they are all preparing us for this openness. And, you know, when I was um, thinking about the aspiration today, which I think, you know, would support me in order to have more capacity to keep this openness alive, you know, to remember again and again when I want to, you know, when I want to shut down, when I want to um, turn away, when I want to distract myself, you know, what kind of a slogan, you know, would help me to, to remember what is really important and mine is, mine is fearlessness because I, I've, I'm very aware you know that the emotion which sends me into, into kind of shutting down, which sends me into, into um, contraction basically is the is fear of it's not gonna be okay if I'm not gonna um, manipulate my experience because it's kind of, it feels safe to repeat the past again and again on the first look it feels safe but then, you know, we are kind of stuck in the past if we don't take the risk of uh, allowing life, you know, to show us what it wants to see happen next. And, you know, if we consider the fact that, you know, on this planet, since it has cooled down, you know, after the Big Bang, it, I think it started to cool down about less than four billion years ago. And, and since then, you know, a lot of things have happened. And nowadays, you know, we can listen to the Viennese on on the iPod and things like that. <laughs> so it feels like, you know, there is definitely a greater intelligence... In control of this process, and actually, actually, be able to kind of um, trust it. But still, you know, I, sometimes I feel like I have to interfere with this process because, because I, I, I can't trust it sometimes because I it take it all too personal. So I want to, uh, I would wish that I could uh, remember you know the bigger picture when I'm you know with this uncertainty and and for me the the slogan is uh, fearlessness and I have have, um, brought you know two quotes with me today and one is uh, and for me you know the essence of those two quotes is, is this is the same message and one is is a, a very poetic one from uh, Rumi and the other one is uh, is a very dry quote from the Pali Canon from the Buddha <laughs> and I'm gonna read them out to you and then um, and i wanna I wonder if you can see the overlap I mean I can see it very clearly but i I might be um Misguided. Let's see. I don't know which one should I read first, the Buddha or Rumi? What do you think? What? Mm-hmm. Rumi. okay. <laughs> 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 it's called The Guest House. Maybe, you know, quite a few of you might know it. This being human is a guest house. Every morning a new arrival a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all even if they are a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. He may be cleaning you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond." So I think that's very clear, isn't it? It's about, you know, abiding in awareness and and seeing whatever is arising and treating all the arisings with uh, respect, not only the the nice ones. And now the more, um, I won't say boring, but uh, more um, (laughs) dry quote from the Buddha. But it's very concise, I find. I like it very much. It's from the Anguttara Nikaya. Anguttara Nikaya 201. Whosoever is emancipated from the world does so by removing the five hindrances, firmly establishing the mind in the four foundations of mindfulness, and cultivating the seven factors of enlightenment. So the Seven Factors of Enlightenment are the guide from beyond. That's how I see it. And the Five Hindrances are these different guests who are coming in and emptying the house of its furniture. And, and the Four Foundations of Mindfulness is you know, welcoming and entertaining them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows. So, you know, there are so many different ways how we can, uh, you know, find the right words, uh, you know, to, to, to remind ourselves what needs to be done. And, you know, every um, person, you know, needs different skillful means. And in this, uh, you know, in the canon, there's tons of different uh, skillful means. And I think everybody can find something. And, you know, for me at the moment in my practice, what I find most uh, important to cultivate besides, you know, awareness is, is the four Brahma Viharas. Because, you know, if we really dive deeply into our own uh, personality and, you know, in the core issues around which the personality has been developing over this lifetime or... Maybe we have brought it already with us, um, surely we have brought it already with us, you know especially you know mothers who had more than one child see very clearly you know how if you have two three children they they come you know from the same father most likely the same mother and have the same opportunities and and they us can be so completely different because they already come in with a different they uh, you are not know, different um Mind basically, and and you know which of the four uh, four Brahma Viharas I found especially interesting because it's I think it's the most difficult to develop for me at least is uh, embarrassing enough is Mudita. <laughs> because. You know, it's, it's so easy to uh, feel um, intimidated, you know, if other people are good at something, and you yourself, you aren't. It can bring up a lot of, um, you know, fear and feelings of inadequacy. And, you know, the, I feel that the Brahma Vihara of uh, Mudita is, is really very much like a very good um, gauge, you know, to measure your practice with. You know, how, how, how good have you developed the metta and the karuna and the upeka That really reveals itself in the... Um, how, you know, how spontaneously mudita can be developed. I mean, mudita is easy for babies and for cuddly uh, puppies and things. I can have easily mudita. But I mean, you know, the, the real thing. <laughs> You know, if somebody is, is really brilliant in something and, and, and you are not, you know, can you have mutita? Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's very easy to have. And maybe for, you know, superstars or so, you know, which are really very, very removed from us, like yeah. gods or something like that. But I mean, people, you know, you live together with every day mm-hmm. or work together with, is much more difficult. And I have I have recently heard a, a talk of a of a Tibetan teacher of Siga Kongtrul Rinpoche, and uh, he made a very a few very good comments on that, and I have been writing them down. and And he said, you know, that uh, he says you know, to develop mutita is like you know if you if you look up at somebody with admiration and then you you throw a lasso and then you. Pull yourself up towards that quality, you know. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, if you don't look up, you're not gonna be able, you know, to to get a hold with that lasso. So you, you won't have, uh, you won't have the support that you get there. So that that joy, you know, is actually a support for your own development. Because if 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 you can through. Know, through admiring somebody else's quality if that can endang- and then and change joy in yourself then even without you having the good quality developed already you but you have the joy already and that, and that is a buoyancy and that gives uh, you this uh, the quality you you'd like to develop you instantly you have it through just it, it just arises, and and another comparison he made, he was saying you know, comparing it that uh, to consider this other person that we are all part of, of 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 the team of the human race you know and like if somebody scores a goal is you know it's like it's it's somebody in our team and we have done it together somehow and then one doesn't feel so, so isolated within one's own feeling of inadequacy. And he also says, you know, this mutita is a, is a can, can function as a powerful magnet to attract good qualities, to attract goodness into our lives. If we're miserable, uh, you know, it, we will just get stuck where we are and, and there is no Growth possible, but if if we have this uh, joy, it attracts more good qualities. And he says, you know, that mutita this is real happiness. There's no no defilements involved, and at least you know if it's not mixed up with its near enemy, which is which is like excitement and over, you know, being overly. Um, What's the word? Exhilaration. And he says, you know, that uh, the development of of Mudita shows very much you know, our whole development in terms of being able to let go of the self and step out, you know, from this obsession with oneself to forget oneself. So that's a, you know, a very good way to look at one's practice. You know, how spontaneously does Mudita come for you and, you know, in which circumstances does it come easy and in in which circumstances is it, does it not come, you know, in which circumstances it's it's still the, before it has been processed, it's, it's jealousy and envy. And then, once it's that shredded and composted, then it's gonna arise as as mudita. So you know when when we are, you know writing down the aspiration for the next year. You know think about that. And also. Maybe think about you know what originally has. Inspired you to, to start to practice. Or what has brought you here to the you know for this retreat, because you could do a lot of other things. Why, why why did you come? I think those you know those um, thoughts can help to to kind of come more to the core of of what can really um, supply you you know with, with energy to keep going through the difficult times because it has to be real it has to be really personally your aspiration otherwise it won't help you so it's really important to really dig deep and and find something which really rings true for you because only then can it be you know can it be of support to you only then can it give you the energy you need to you know break through some of the old patterns Yeah, and then I wanted to mention also the um, the what can also be helpful you know, in in this process of uh, you know coming up with an aspiration which is really ignites your own uh, practice, you know, which really helps to bring forth more energy and more um, interest in the practice is what's called the the two guardians of the world. And in in many monasteries in Thailand and also in, in Amaravati Buddhist monastery, at the main entrance there is, on the left and on the right side, there's the two guardians of the world or the two bright ones, they are sometimes called. It's like two devas or kind of celestial beings. In Amaravati is two male uh, daevas with moustaches, actually. <laughs> and very beautiful outfits and these chadas, these hats, you know, which they have in the tie dance. And one is called hiri and the other one is called otapa. And hiri, we can translate it, uh, the old word it makes you cringe, probably when I say it. It's called, uh, I'll say it anyway, it's called moral shame, and the mo- modern translation is, is self-respect. Yeah. <coughs> self-respect. I think it isn't uh, old and modern. They're, they're translated by they're both, but in the mm. Abhidhamma is self-respect. Is it? And in the suttas it's, it's moral shame. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, but they're both okay. contemporary. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then and the other one is called uh, <laughs> Otaba, yeah. and so one translation is uh, moral fear, isn't it? A threat, dread, moral threat, dread, dread. Yes. dread. and the uh, and the more digestible yeah. translation is respect for others. So self-respect and respect for others, and those two, you know, are considered the guardians of the world so, or the the bright ones. So whenever you know we want to. Know, find the right response. If we, if we reflect in terms of, of respecting ourselves and respecting others, that can you know, give a very, uh, helpful guidelines also how to find the right bonds. I mean, in Amaravati, we always have lots of sco- had lots of uh, you know school classes coming, and they were always going in through this main entrance, and we would introduce to the children the those two guardians, and they were always kind of, wow, they were very... The little ones were very kind of inspired, and the older ones felt a bit uneasy, I think. (laughs) It was very... um, lovely to to see the little children, you know, being so... um, in awe of those. Because they are very powerful reflections, I think. And they, they still had that, that purity that they could, you know, they could open up to it. Whereas the, the older children, the teenagers, they kind of, they were too cool for it, actually, I think. <laughs> so I hope, you know, that you are not too cool for this. <laughs> and because it, it's worth it, really. Okay, I'll stop here. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit Seed